Welcome to the Marshall Graham Interviews. Today I'm going to play back an interview I recorded with the late Dr. Bill Ziemba. Bill was a distinguished professor at the University of British Columbia and had many different visiting positions throughout his career at some of the world's great institutions of learning. One of his research passions was market anomalies, and he published extensively on racetrack betting markets. His popular book, Beat the Racetrack, introduced a profitable place and show betting system that used information from the more efficient wind pool. The collection of articles in his edited volume, Efficiency of Racetrack Betting Markets, became a well-studied source for computer betting teams. Dr. Z, as he was known to many, loved horse racing and spent time in both Lexington, Kentucky and Saratoga Springs, New York. He was a mentor and friend and will be missed. This interview was recorded on January 31st, 2022. The Marshall Graham interviews are once again brought to you by Millridge Farm. Millridge Farm stands Aloha West and Oscar Performance. Oscar Performance's son and the winner is the grade two winner of the bourbon will be making his three-year-old debut in the Texas Turf Mile at Sam Houston this weekend, and I look forward to being there in person, not only to see him run, but to be able to bet Sam Houston. I've been sitting watching TV, hearing uh, Nick Tamaro's excellent race calls, but the not but have not been able to place a bet, so I'll be there in person to cheer, and the winner is on, again, Millridge Farm, a great place to board your broodmares, to consign your sales horse, and again, two excellent young stallions, and we appreciate their sponsorship. Let's go ahead and get started. I have uh, uh, Dr. Bill Zimba on the line with me, and uh, um, Dr. Z is uh, sort of a, a, a legend in the in the betting community and is also a professor of management at University of British Columbia. Bill, tell me about how you you know first got interested in in horse racing itself uh, growing up did you uh, go to the races growing up or well i actually grew up near saratoga racetrack so i used to go there and from when i was young and so forth and then when i went first to uh vancouver i got a grant in my second year and that was 1968 and I started using some of the uh, money to study racing, and I studied it through factor models, uh, which which is how the professionals have done it, which is which is difficult. And then I was visiting at Berkeley, where I had done my PhD, and Mark Rubenstein told me to look at the market as a stock market. So I started doing that. And I had a good student, Donald Hosh, and Hosh and I started looking at it as a stock market as well. So what we did in the in the original uh, Dr. Z book, which is Beat the Racetrack, we used the information from a simple market, that's win, which has a slight bias. Favorites are under bet. Long shots are over bet. And then we use those probabilities from that market into more complicated markets initially for place and show. So there are, say, 10 horses in a race. But for show, there are 10 times 9 times 8 possible combinations of finishes. So the idea is that some of them should be off. So what we do is we calculate when you have an edge, which is if you bet one, on average you get more than one. And then we have to figure out how much to bet. Now, 
the best strategy is called Kelly, which which is a long run strategy that maximizes wealth. People in the stock market use it. Like you may f- be familiar with Warren Buffett, George Soros, John Maynard Keynes, famous investors. Now, when you do Kelly investing, you maximize the expectation of the log of final returns. So there's little calculations. I have sent Marshall uh, a paper, that academic paper, which he can circulate to you if he wants, called Racetracks and Lotteries Revisited. And in there, you'll see the ideas like this. Now, in later years, we use it to price all sorts of bets. So, for example, if you have a exacta, you have the first horse and you have the second horse. So what you have to do is, is have a formula to calculate the correct probability. Now, there's a little bit of a bias because for, for win the favorites are under bet. But then when you get to second and third, uh, it, the bias reverses. Uh, so when we're, when we're doing place and show with our system, then it cancels, okay? So you don't have to do any corrections. But you do corrections when you have other bets, for example, Exactas, trifectas, superfectas, the pent um, bet was five. There was a, there was some big races at uh, uh, Gulfstream on uh, the weekend, and I actually got twice the five. <laughs> Not easy to get five in a row right as well. Uh, and then there are the bets that have multiple races, like like uh, daily double pick three, pick four, pick six uh, as well. Now, I do have a book. Uh, I write a lot of books, and one of the things I learned is you make no money on the books, but you get a lot of enjoyment mm. from doing them. Uh, so I have two books that you might get. They're paperback, and they're cheap. One just came out, and it's called Sports Analytics, and the other one uh it's called exotic betting at the racetrack. They have a lot of this kind of stuff. It's fairly easy to read, mm-hmm. and it's uh, not not expensive for, for the books well, uh, as as well. well. Let's go back to the the sort of the the beat the racetrack, the um, using information in the more efficient show, uh, more efficient win pool to bet in the place and show pool. Where where did you Correct. where did you come up with the idea that you know, to look at these parallel markets and, you know, what were sort of the, some of the keys that, that uh, in terms of, you know, coming up with those ideas and, and, you know, actually implementing it? Well, we were interested into pricing. How do you price fairly? What is the correct price for the bet? So for win, if you're betting for win, the public's odds are fairly accurate to the correct price. So that gives you probabilities that are pretty accurate. The only difference is because of the favorite long shot bias, the favorites are under bet and the long shots are over bet. 
This is similar to uh, if you study Kahneman-Tversky prospect theory. Low probability events uh, would say 5% chance of occurring are overestimated. And high probability events with like 80, 80% winning uh, are, are underestimated. So you actually get, you can see in the books, especially exotic bidding the racetrack, I have graphs for all this stuff over years and years. Uh, and, and this has been known by bookmakers from Dublin in 1850. So this is, this is well known by the bookmakers who create the bias themselves. If you look at data from the UK, the bias is actually created well how, how they offer the odds. The, the bookmakers are very, very savvy. So they're very, very good to, to try to figure out how to, to get it. So you get a curve as to how the thing was. In the early days, in the 80s, when we did the Beat the Racetrack book and then betting at the racetrack, we had the, the curve that was coming down. And you could actually make a profit betting on all horses less than three to ten, so so forth. Mm-hmm. But in in the period of going up to uh, in the 2000 area, this curve shifted, and you cannot make a profit betting on all horses with extremely low odds. Uh, and the rest of the curve is about the same. Now another factor in this is there is betting on so-called betting exchanges in the UK. And there you can do longs or you can do short. Uh, and when you do that, it's optimal to short these long horses. Now, let me give you an example. Suppose there are 10 horses running in a race. One will win. So you can short nine and, and be guaranteed that at most you lose one. Mm-hmm. And and if the one you don't short is is the, the winner, then you win on all nine. So it's optimal to short all those things. That's a different system than, than our place and show. But getting back to uh, Marshall's uh, question, you you use the win odds to get accurate probabilities, and then you use you try to find when place and show bets are off. In other words, too little is bet. To place a show. Now, how do you do the calculations? What Hosh and I discovered was that we had regression formulas to approximate the solutions, uh, the expected value and the amount to bet. And it's four numbers. So the only numbers you look at to do that system are how much is in the wind pool relative to the total pool. How much is in, say, the show pool to the to the show total? And you look at examples. If you look at the paper that I sent, Marshall, Racetracks and Lodges Revisited, there's a, a Kentucky Derby example in there that shows you the amount. And it, it's on one of the the horses that, that won the Derby, and and it, it had uh, about a quarter of the money for win and only about a sixth of the money for show. And it was good enough, like you said. Now, when you're doing any kind of uh, 
of betting in any market. And I, I'm doing quite a few different markets. You have to make sure that you're making bets that are good. So you don't bet when the expected value is 1.02. You, you want the expected value of a dollar bet to be like 110 or 115, somewhere up there. So you, you, it's best to do that, etc. So now the question that Marshall might ask is, how does the system do now? In, in 2022. You read my mind. Now, you read my mind. I was curious about like if you could compare so, it to so you know, what it was like in the is, 80s. So the thing is, in the early days, it was easy to, to make it to win. But the thing is, we, we did a book. Uh, we do lectures uh, and so forth. And a lot of people know about this way of betting. So it makes it harder. Now, currently, what you do is you should have an account for with rebate. I don't know if you've discussed that with the students yet. Well, go ahead and but, tell them a little bit about <laughs> about how rebates work. We we haven't yet, and so well, might as well at least put it out here. Well, let let me let me talk about it for a second. Okay, the way a rebate works is there's a company uh, somewhere in the Caribbean or in Saratoga or somewhere that takes bets from individuals, lar- you, often large individuals who are betting a lot. And th- what they do is they make a deal with the racetrack to get the signal. And the signal are the results. So the racetrack gives this company a discount. So instead of charging, say, 15% uh, track take, they charge only 5 and this company takes five, and the better, in, in the case of, of, of uh, me or other people, they get that advantage. So that net effect of that is that if you're betting in a, in a rebate shop, you place the bet with, with this company, they aggregate the bet from all the betters that they have, they send it to somewhere, to aggregate it all together, and then they send that to the racetrack. Now, these people are paying 5% commission, where most of the other people at the racetrack are paying 15, they think. But actually, since it has to average 15, these other people have to pay more than 15, say 17. Now, the racetracks don't advertise this much. And in fact, the racetracks are nervous about the uh, syndicates making too much money because it gives them a bad image with their their regular uh, customers. For example, years ago, Keeneland Racetrack in Kentucky, which is the richest racetrack in America invited me to try to explain to them what is it, how does how do these things work and so forth and so forth. So I gave them a talk and, and, and so forth. So they have to police it uh, as well. So some racetracks restrict the betting of this stuff. What it does for the racetrack, it gives them a lot more volume. <laughs> And, and and from an economics point of view, it makes it more of a, an efficient market uh, as well. But 
the the bedding in the bedding shops is is huge, uh, and then there's the bedding from England uh, in the uh, the uh, long short as well to to change the odds. Now I've been fortunate to work with a bunch of of uh, syndicates in Hong Kong and uh, Australia and and in the U.S. that are large bettors. And how do they do it? They, they first of all they have large teams. The largest team in Australia. I visited them ten years ago. They had 90 people working. They are have people who are doing statistics work, people who know the horses, people who know optimization, people who are watching the horses. So there's lots of things. And that group was betting $1.2 billion per year all around the world, making 15% roughly game. They were, they're, they're the top team. That team currently has 300 people working. So you have that working on all the markets. The teams in the U.S. work in the following way, if they're successful. You do not win on the betting. You break even on the betting, but you get about an 8% rebate, so forth. So one team that I'm aware of uh, bets 800000 per day and breaks even but makes forty billion forty million a year on the rebate, etc. It is difficult to complete one of these teams. You have to have extremely good accurate estimates of the track odds. We know that the public's uh, odds are fairly fair, but the thing is that's not good enough to win because you're ten or fifteen percent ahead. So you're you're fifteen percent take in general say or if you were in a rebate shop you're 10 but you've got to be 10 percent better it's not easy because it's it's difficult now when you have we we had uh the pegasus race on uh the weekend and then the pegasus race day in Gulfstream, we had really really top horses and the top horses are much more reliable than than the uh, cheaper ones, so it was easier easier to win uh, as well. I'm actually writing it up in my column. I've been fortunate that I, I I went to Oxford in 2002 for a conference, and I sort of hit it off with them, and they invited me to teach there, but only um, a week a year. It was when the first year I went for four months. And then, then after that, I was going for one week. And uh, then they had a, a magazine. The magazine is called Wilmot. Uh, and it's put out by a fellow called Wilmot. <laughs> and and I write a column for them. And some of those are in, in, in books I do. So for example, uh, the, the book um, Sports Analytics, which just came out uh, has columns that I did the last couple of years, uh, et cetera. Uh, basketball, uh, racing, high lie, uh, NFL football, and stuff like that uh, as, as well. So, Marshall, to answer your question, um, the last time I did a serious thing on the uh, on the the old place and show system, we put in five thousand dollars. We bet 
$1.5 million ro- ro- rotating the money <laughs> with, with a computer model that was searching for bets at 80 racetracks. And we lost 7%, but we made 9% rebate. So we were essentially ahead by 2%. So 2% times $1.5 million is 30000 So we, we came out ahead uh, as well. It is harder for the system to work now, but it, but it, it, it's there. It's there. You can you can watch the bets. Sometimes you get good bets and so forth, and you you have to look at the screen at the four numbers. And if the, the place and show amounts are much lower fraction than than for for win, then you you, you can have a good bet, etc. And then you make it so forth. Well, uh, I have to tell you one thing about the Kentucky Derby. We used to go to the Kentucky Derby, and some of them would say, "Can can you bet near the end?" And and I said, "Well, uh, 15 seconds before the race runs, nobody is at the windows, so you just walk up and make whatever bet you want." That was the old days. Nowadays, everything is done with the computers and and so forth. Um, uh, and Marshall will probably tell you that. Uh, he's involved with some guys who have a very good newsletter that comes out all the time, uh, Jonathan Kitchen and his pals, who give very good advice, uh, and uh, and they're very good handicappers. So the uh, to the bottom line, Marshall, uh, the, the system more or less still works. You just have to be careful about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you know, the one thing that's drastically changed, and certainly the computers are a byproduct of this, is just the... The amount of money that comes in on the last click makes all these right. markets more efficient. And so, you know, the the rise of the computers and the rise of not the rise of the change in the efficiency of the betting markets has been it's been something that's really, you know, you've really seen over time. It's tougher. It's tougher now. It's harder now than it was. The the syndicates have an impact and there is this business of the odds changing near the buzzer now one of the things is let's say that the race is going to go off in in two minutes so it's two minutes to go and you want to make your bet and there's certain odds now and the prices and they'll change because because of the rebate shop the money that goes in before the two minute period takes a while to get into the pool so the odds are changing as the race is being run. Now, in America, you can't make bets while the race is being run. In England, you can if, if England covers those races. The betting shops do not cover that many of the, uh, of the races, but they cover you know, the major ones, like if, if it's the Kentucky Derby or the, or the Belmont Stakes, they will, they will cover it. And they will have odds. And their odds, by the way, are, are often very different from uh, the U.S. odds. I remember when Zenyatta was running, Marshall, will, of course, knows Zenyatta. Zenyatta was a, a female who won 19 races in a row. She was a monster. She was very large. And, and in the 20th race, uh, she was defeated just slightly. Uh, but the odds that you would get on her in America was 
a lot worse than what you'd get in England because America was in love with this horse and England, you know, didn't, wasn't so in, in, in trust with her. So you get, you can create almost arbitrage. Arbitrage is when you buy something for 10 and sell it for 12. Okay. So that's a standard strategy for the stock market. And you can kind of do that with these, these uh, kind of things by betting in different places. Well, you, yeah. Um, have you ever looked at that and ever looked at uh, uh, arbitrage or Dr. Z type systems for, you know, maybe turning win bets into trifectas or superfectas? Or is there just such a complication with the calculation of third and fourth place finishers? No, you, you, you price those. You price everything. Everything is pricing. Mm-hmm. So you price what, what, the, what the bet might be. Now, the question is, what is the probability uh, of an I, IJ finish? So let's say we're playing an exact. The probability of an IJ finish, first crack. It's the probability that horse I wins because he has to be first. And it's the probability that the horse J wins a race that does not contain I. Mm-hmm. So, so you can write that as the probability of uh, J divided by one minus PI. So you can use that formula. That's called the Harville formula. It makes perfect sense. The only problem is they're biased. <laughs> so the Harville formulas are not accurate. Mm-hmm. So you have to adjust with discounted Harville or some other way that lowers the probability of the best horses and slightly raises the probability of the weaker horses. Because if the, ho- if the, if the short odds horse does not win, the probability that their second or third is lower than those formulas do. So you can use those formulas for exacta or trifecta with three of them or four, uh, superfecta, or the five and so forth. If you want to do a professional uh, betting thing. Uh, and you can make codes to do this stuff. Depends how serious you want to be uh, as well. For me, I've been playing around. I do consulting for people, and 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 we set up things, et cetera. And I, we do some of the things, et cetera. But as a, as a professor type, I I do a lot of my own vetting, and I do uh, consulting, and I, I do some stuff for that. It's not easy to have one of these teams to do all the parts. I know how to do all the parts, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's not. It's not easy to to do it because the competition is fierce. It was very tough competition. The group in Sydney, Australia, is in all the markets. <laughs> they're everywhere, and 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 so they're doing this business of the odds going. If we go back to that issue of the odds at two minutes are changed when the when the the, the uh, race is over you have to sort of make a forecast as to where the probability is going to go at the end. One way to get a forecast is to look at the probabilities in the British long-short market and see what they're, they're say, estimating the final to be. Right? So in general, 
the favors get more favored and the late money is more informed mm-hmm. yeah. so when when a horse goes from <clears throat> 3 to 1 to 2 to 1 right at the buzzer they have a higher chance of winning however you're only getting paid 2 to 1 not 3 to 1 so you have to be careful about that are there any i mean there obviously the wind pool is the most efficient pool uh, what do you think is the least efficient pool? Is there any pool where you think there's still sort of exploitable the, the, the more complicated the pool is, the more it uh, can be out of whack. Now, I study lotteries as well, and I've been a lottery consultant. Uh, consider the possibility of doing a lottery and buying all the numbers, okay? Now, I have two papers with, a, with another colleague, and we have looked at the mathematics of when does it pay to buy all the numbers. And one of the reasons that it may be good to buy all the numbers is that even if millions of combinations are bet by the public, some of the combinations are never bet. So there'd be 20 or 30 or 40 percent of the combinations who nobody has them. So if you buy all the numbers, you have it as well okay now you have to worry about somebody else doing the same thing and and different things so there's a little bit complications but there have been cases where all the numbers it was optimal to buy all the numbers uh there was a, a british columbia lottery which was five numbers out of 40 and the jackpot only went to all five correct and for five or six weeks Nobody got it because it was too hard. So usually there's more betting then, but the problem is people thought it was impossible to win, so there's less betting. Mm -hmm. So it was optimal for five or six weeks to buy all the numbers, uh, which was about 600,000. So if you bet all all those numbers. Uh, The other thing that happens in lotteries is sometimes the lottery makes a mistake and has an error in the game, et cetera. So they, they do that as well. Getting back to racing, uh, Marshall, for all the exotics, you can price all the bets. The key is very clear. The probability that the horses win, the more accurate you are at those things, the, the, the easier it is to win. So, and we use the, the, these formulas, the discounted Harville, to create the probabilities for all for the combinations. Like in the trifecta, you have three different uh, uh, things together. So, so, but the thing is, it's all based on the original probability, so if that's accurate as, as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, it, 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 that makes... Uh... That makes sense. I'm curious whether, and again, this is this is sort of a as it relates to even the the play show. Do you talk about like the Silky Sullivan effect? Uh, the you have horses that that win or run out, or even horses that are generally there, second. There, or third. No, there there is this sure. And is that something sure. that that is that something that those horses like that turning them into key horses could that create potential value or is you know, are these markets just, in a sense, so efficient that uh, that you've got to wait and find particular instances of having an edge? Well, 
you just stick to the uh, the script. And the script is, what is the expected value of your bet? Are you getting an advantage? And then do it. Now, in the games or bets that have low probability of winning but high payoff, let's say super factor, you have to get one, two, three, four in exact order. By the way, in Hong Kong, all these bets, they have one, two, three, four in exact order and one, two, three, four in any order as well. Uh, as well, Hong Kong has one bet called the Triple Trio, which is one, two, three in one race, one, two, three in the next race, one, two, three in the next race. And these horses are such junk horses that some of them will have 100 to 1 odds uh, and, and so forth. And there are 48 million combinations in, in Hong Kong. So people will bet three or four million Hong Kong dollars in, in this bet uh, to, to try to get it. It's there. Now, one thing is clear about American racing. You have the syndicates who have an impact. You have uh, your own handicapping. And if your handicapping is good, then you should be able to do okay. Uh, you know, just take into effect the, the thing. There are the changes near the buzzer because of the uh, large syndicates. And they, and they, they do bet a lot uh, and so forth. There's roughly about 10 groups who would be betting large amounts in U.S. markets. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and they're, they're pretty savvy. They have read all the books, <laughs> you know, one syndicate uh, told me they wanted to buy my original book, uh, efficiency of race tech betting markets, buy all the copies and burn all but one. <laughs> so, uh, so they were, they were, they were doing this kind of stuff, but the markets are, um, they're, they're tough. It's better to use rebate, and it's better to be careful. And the more accurate your handicapping is, you know, the better off you are. <laughs> well, great. Well, look, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you joining me. That's uh, uh, again a, a lot of a lot of real meat in this conversation. And uh, again, thanks a lot. Thanks for everything, Bill. 